In this episode, I sit down with Eric Adams, the current borough president of Brooklyn, New York, to talk about Black Lives Matter. Get excited, because this is Tiny Leaps. Big changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and uh, this episode is going to be more timely uh, than most podcasts that I do. Uh, I don't tend to comment too much on uh, current events. I try to keep things evergreen. I try to focus on topics that uh, three, five, seven years from now will still be valuable to you. But today's episode is a little bit different in that we are going full on discussing the current situation that we find ourselves in. And of course, I am talking about everything that is going on around George Floyd's murder, around Black Lives Matter, around protesting, around riots, and around the general awakening that the country is currently experiencing when it comes to police reform. Uh, And my guest today is someone who has a very unique perspective on this topic. So he is the current borough president of Brooklyn, New York, where I used to live. And he has a lot to say on this topic and is very qualified to speak on this topic uh, because back when he was 15, he and his brother were brutally beaten by New York City police officers. Uh, He then later became an activist, which led to him actually joining the police force where he served for 22 years. Uh, Then he became a state senator and now is serving as the borough president. So he has been on essentially all sides of this issue. And so he is here to share with us his thoughts on everything happening in this moment, why he believes this moment is different from uh, other moments that have happened in the past, why this whole thing is exploding as quickly as it has, and how he thinks we can best contribute to the moment. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Eric Adams. Uh, He, again, is the current borough president for Brooklyn, New York. York. And in part two of the conversation, which is airing this Friday, we are going to be shifting things up and discussing uh, more normal topics like mindfulness, meditation, uh, and his plant-based diet. So look forward to that. And in the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Eric Adams. Thank you for inviting me to chat with you. Absolutely. It's it's an honor to have you. Um, I want to start out by talking about your current role as the Brooklyn Borough President and just sort of your career leading up to this. Uh, and I'll be honest, before your team reached out, I, I I lived in Brooklyn for 10 years. I didn't even know that each of the boroughs had presidents. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your role and what your day-to-day looks like? And, and that's, quite, that's quite all right. Uh, you know, I'm a person that believes in quantum physics. Uh, things Uh, do not appear until we become aware of them. And there's so many things going on around us that many of us are not aware of. So you are, you are not alone. It's an ET moment. (laughs) Uh, But the, the Brooklyn used to be its own city uh, many years ago until it was consolidated into New York city. And at the time, 
uh, every around that same time, every uh, county in New York City, we have five of them. Each county uh, has has a borough president appointed to it. <clears throat> other other municipalities would, would call it a county executive, mm. and, and it is really a way for constituents or New Yorkers to be in contact with a a voice for them in the larger government uh, scheme of things. You know, you're not going to be able to get your mayor on the line when you want, uh, but having access to your borough president is far more easier. And that mm-hmm. the role of the borough president is to deal with uh, just a host of things. It could be from uh, talking to a group of people who are trying to open a senior center to allocating uh, millions of dollars to some form of project in the borough. I put a lot of my money in the Department of Education. We also were responsible uh, to advise on land use if someone wants to build higher than zoning uh, regulates. But we are responsible for what's called the uniform land use process where we weigh in with the city council and the community board. And street namings, when streets are named in the borough of Brooklyn, they come through our office uh, and really just the ensure that every agency each year uh, in July, every agency receives their allocation of dollars to carry out their functions. And the borough presidents make sure that the agencies are giving their borough the fair allocations of resources. So it's a it's just a, a wide range of things that a borough president would do, but it's 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 the mayor of your borough on the ground every day. Okay. Is that a um uh are there uh, excuse me, how long is your term? <coughs> excuse me. It runs con- concurrent with the mayor. Okay. Every four years we are elected on the same cycle. And are there term limits? Yes. Just like the mayor, the borough president could run for only two terms, a maximum mm-hmm. of eight years. Uh, he or she can skip a term if they want to run for re-election, uh, but it's a two-term term limit. Mm. And I understand that you got involved in politics at around the age of 15, right? Yes, uh, really. Uh, I was always involved as a child, but it was not until uh, the really my law enforcement evolution. When I was a 15 year old, I was I had an encounter with a police officer. I was arrested, my brother and I, and the police officers beat us bad. Mm-hmm. And I still think my brother deals with mental health issues because of that now. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just took a different route. I became a an activist about fighting against police abuse. And when while in college, I joined an organization uh, called MBUF, Na- National Black United Front. And there was another young man named Randolph Evans who was shot and killed by police. It's, it's interesting how all of this is applicable to today. Yeah. Uh, but Randolph Evans was shot by a housing cop for no reason. And the housing cop was found not guilty because they said he had a seizure, an epileptic seizure. And the 
after that incident, a group of civil rights leaders in Brooklyn came to me and 12 other uh, young men that were part of the organizations and told us they wanted us to go into the law enforcement community to fight from within. And at that, at that time, I was a I was a computer programmer. I wanted to become Cisco qualified and open my own uh, computer firm. But, you know, God, man makes plans and God laughs. And <laughs> that's how I got into the police department and the rest was history. Had you ever prior to uh, those people reaching out to you, had you ever considered after your direct experience with, with the police, had you ever considered actually joining the force? Not at all. In fact, uh, I didn't know until later that I was experiencing PTSD. Mm. Every time, every time I heard a police siren, I would think about that beating. Every time I saw a police show on TV, I would relive it. Uh, every time I saw a police car drive by, uh, you know, I would, I would maybe be, you know, occupied doing something else, but in my subconscious. Uh, I would relive the beating and I would think about it. And and actually, it's, it's interesting that I was reflecting on when I saw George Floyd uh, murdered in Minnesota. Uh, I, I just started thinking about the, you know, the beating. It wasn't the same way because of, you know, life transition. But, you know, it, it was it was a real experience. So I, I wanted nothing to do with policing at all. And matter of fact, I was horrified when they told me you know, I, they wanted me to do that, but I just had so much respect for them. And in, in retrospect, they were so right because mm-hmm. the only way I could get, deal with the pain was to go and to really uh, be a part of the change. So uh, with this conversation, you have, you have so many uh, unique and interesting sides to you. Um, we're going to be a little bit later talking about um, topics like mindfulness, meditation, uh, your switch to a plant-based diet and how that's helped you in, in your day-to-day life, how you've helped others uh, with that. Uh, but since we're on the topic and this is very current, you have such a unique angle to view everything that's happening right now uh, from having had a, a negative experience yourself to becoming an act, uh, excuse me, an activist to becoming an officer to now being in the government. What are your thoughts on everything that's happening now? Um, and where do you think it's going? Is this something, and, and this is more a question from me, is this something that will last this moment right now? Or is it something that unfortunately, as history has, has shown us, will eventually fade as people's interest fades? That, that, that's a powerful question. Uh, and I say, I say, no, it's not going to fade. Mm. We had a different place. And, and, you know, I think you correctly pointed out the evolution you know, I'm like the caterpillar that looked up at a butterfly and said, you'll never get me in one of those. Uh, little did I know uh, throughout life I was going to go through a transformation and have my period of being in a cocoon. Mm. And I think my wings uh, have started to fly. And if you view life from crawling around on the ground, you'll never really see the beauty of flight. And that's where I was, I think, for so many years. The, the person I am now is definitely not the person 
that I was uh, 20, 25, 30 years ago. And I know that sounds sort of strange because we all change, but it's amazing how people hold on to who and what they are, even though the years pass by and they have more time in life, they never really change the core of what they do and how they act. But I think right now, what you are seeing, you're seeing a cosmic shift in the universe. And it's the similar cosmic shifts uh, have uh, they have taken place uh, before uh, during the sixties. Uh, we knew what, what was happening in America around civil rights, but if you look globally and internationally, we saw a lot of countries were fighting off their uh, colonial. Uh, powers. Uh, you look at what was happening in the Caribbean, what was happening in Africa, uh, what was happening uh, in India. You know, at the same time, there was this cosmic shift of people saying they wanted to be free. And I believe we're here now again. And so maybe the actual day-to-day protest is not going to be the same uh, but the period of being subjugated to uh, oppression uh, is not going to remain the same. There's going to be a shift, I believe, in the universe. So how do we, um, and for, for those of you listening, I always find it so strange. I've been hosting this show for four and a half years now, and many of my listeners still don't know that I am a young black man living in America. Um and so this topic is obviously very personal to me. It's something that I've, as with every other black person in this country, I had conversations with my parents from pretty much the age of eight about needing to be extra cautious and needing to learn how to be in the world. Um, so this is nothing new from my perspective, but I, I find myself feeling pessimistic, I guess, when it comes to everything that's happening Um, and feeling like, is this actually going to lead to change? Like, is this time finally the time that something comes out of it? Uh, Am I wrong to feel that way? How how should I be thinking about this? Uh, uh, No, you are are not wrong at all. Uh, uh, And I think that uh, you are in the right place in your thoughts because, you know, it's real to you as as it was real to me and as is real to our son, my son. And it's about how do we turn this pain into purpose? Uh, how do we e- evolve out of this, this knowledge and feeling that we have from your personal experience? And I'm sure the personal experience of the experiences of the people you know and interact with. And this is a powerful moment. Uh, and the winds of change uh, have never been blown by adults. They've always been blown by young people. You know, d- adults try to rewrite history and pretend as though they change uh, the course of our globe. But in fact, if you go from Soweto to South Africa to Cuba uh, to the South during the civil rights, uh, young people um, from SNCC and others played a major role in um, where we are today. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. And I I guess at the very least, it's reassuring to see 
the topic of police reform, of uh, brutality, of uh, black lives finally getting some focus and, and sort of people being forced to pay attention to it. It's so true. And and I, I want to be clear and not misunderstood when I say this. Uh, but I am not a believer in violence. I subscribe to the Gandhi, Dr. King, uh, Nelson Mandela mindset. And it doesn't mean my mindset is the right mindset. It's just what I personally believe. But I also know it is unfortunate that the only time America and colonial powers really understand people when people are serious is when people uh, go down a violent path. And that's so troubling because year after year, we watch the Amadou Diallo's, we, we watch the Eric Gardner's, and those of us who believed in the nonviolent approach were unable to really have substantial movement. There have been movement, but not significant and substantial movement and real foundational changes in policing. Now that our cities are burning and much of the violence is unfortunately coming from professional agitators that really don't have policing in mind, but the reality is that all that built up anger is really assistant in the burning of our cities. And now those who had the ability to make changes are realizing that folks are serious. And it's so unfortunate because it's such, such so easy to deal with these issues in a peaceful way. We should not have, ha- should not have had Los Angeles burn from Rodney King or Detroit burn Um, during the 60s, during police riots or Watts or Newark. But it's unfortunate, not until the flames come, is it hot enough to cause the necessary change. Yeah. So what, um, as we wrap up this segment here, uh, what in your mind can, given your unique perspective, uh, is the most valuable thing for people listening to engage in, to to start in order to lead to change? Well, I, I, I not only protected marches as a police officer during the night, during the day I was marching. I, I marched with Miss Diallo, Amadou Diallo's uh, mother, Miss Baez, uh, who lost her son, uh, the New Jersey uh, young brothers who were shot and killed on the New Jersey turnpike that led to driving while black. Uh, so I've marched and participated, and I've also had to protect marches. And my input in this time is to have parents march with their children. My son, he was with me. Uh, the last few days, starting Friday at the Barclay Center, uh, we marched together. And I I am encouraging parents to march with their children, to keep them on course. Use this as a teaching moment because they can be swept up into the emotion that they can get involved with a police encounter assaulting a cop and then their life can turn around. We had two attorneys 
a few days ago that were indicted on federal charges and probably even state charges for throwing a Molotov cocktail at a police vehicle. I think responsible adults should play a role to make sure that their children uh, don't allow their righteous call for peace and for reform to harm their lives forever. I encourage young people to participate, to organize locally, to do die-ins, sit-ins, to use the methods that were used before that got us here and continue to be proactive and fighting for change. So that is it for part one of my conversation with Eric Adams. That is also the end of my conversation with him on this topic. But be sure to tune in to the next episode, part two of my conversation with him, where we discuss uh, topics like mindfulness, like meditation, like plant-based diet, how he reversed his diabetes by switching to a plant-based diet. So that is going to be a super good conversation. Make sure you don't miss it. If you haven't already, be sure to click subscribe wherever you are tuning in today. Thank you so much for spending the time with me and sharing and allowing me this platform to have conversations like this. I appreciate you more than you know. I've been Greg Clunas, and as always, remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take. Every day, every day.